I just kind of fell in love with it from there. It's like, especially as a way of cross training. So I like to learn more and more about the sport. It differs, like, but with smaller regional shows, you have one rep. So he's going to come and tell everybody, like, hey, this is what I'm expecting from you. If you do X, this is what's going to happen. There's a lot that goes into it. And they try to say, hey, maintain and control your life outside the ring because the ring is chaos. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Barbells and Today, we have a very special guest, but first, let me just remind you to check out Wellbeing. This is a brand of non-alcoholic beer, so if you're like me and you don't drink alcohol, but you still want a nice beverage for the summertime or just to relax after a long day of work, then check out Wellbeing Brewing non-alcoholic beer. Use my code BREEECKERT at checkout to get 10% off your purchase of $10 or more. And then also my other partner, Jocko Fuel, and this is the Jocko Go pre-workout that I've got right here and it's a lower stim uh, pre-workout so if you want something that's not super super caffeinated you know maybe you still want to have another cup of coffee later in the day that's personally why I like it because I don't like to have a large amount of caffeine all at one time I prefer to kind of spread it throughout the day check out Jocko Fuel if you use my code BRIBRI then you will get 10% off that one as well and it will help me and help support the podcast so thank you in advance so today like I said I've got a very special guest he is a professional MMA fighter and I'm really really excited because other than just arranging this scheduling this podcast uh, we've never had a conversation. We've never talked before. So, and I really love doing that. And I've, I've done that with a few guests that I've had where this is our first time ever talking. We don't have a phone call. We don't have any kind of conversation beforehand. Um, so I think it's really fun to do that and just meet new people and learn more about them. So I'm really excited to learn more about Don and his story. Um, so let's go ahead and welcome Mr. Don Brooks. Can you hear me now? Yes. Yes. Okay. All right. <laughs> we figured Sorry it out. About that. No, you're Sorry good. Sorry about that. I just got my AirPods and now it should be good. Oh, it's okay. I every week I say this all the time. Like, <laughs> I just I struggle with technology. Yeah, like, I feel too, like so. it never works when I need it to. Yeah, I understand <laughs> that for sure. <laughs> oh well, I'm really excited to have you on today. Thank you so much uh, for for taking out a little chunk of your day. I appreciate it. Honestly, I appreciate being on the podcast and you have me on your platform. So thank you for having me. Yeah, definitely. So obviously, you know, part of the reason I thought you'd be a great fit on here is because you're a fighter. Um, mm. Me being a huge MMA fan, obviously, I love talking to fighters. And um, but also, you know, I kind of want to get to know who you are and, and just learn a little bit more about you. So um, I guess first, let me just ask you, how did you get into martial arts? Like, how did you get started? Um, So... It's funny because in high school, I played sports throughout my whole life pretty much. Since I was six years old, uh, my mom pretty much brought me to a field that was once I was playing soccer, once I was playing football. She said, pick one. And I said, football, I guess. So I've been playing football really my whole life. Uh, baseball, basketball, um, ran track in high school. And in high school, I think like the UFC MMA in general became was kind of becoming popular and kind of becoming big and a bit more, I guess, quote unquote, mainstream. I think the Ultimate Fighter also was kind of taking, around, taking off at that time. And um, my, even my friends were kind of like, yo, would you ever do that? Would you ever do that? And I was like, I don't know, man. It was crazy because, you know, it was kind of like you didn't have that much information back then. So you just saw these dudes bloodied up and cutting like, well, I don't know, this is kind of crazy. So I said, if I ever did that, I'd be just a ground guy. I want to get punched in the face. And um, so I never really took it serious. But when I got to, uh, to college and I was practicing and playing football there, in our office, we get workouts. But it's kind of like, you know, Monday, we had to do the same things over and over again. 
And so one day I was playing, I know this is going to sound crazy, but I was playing a UFC demo on Xbox. I was like, oh, this is kind of cool. Maybe I should just try it out. And it was just Jim down the street. And I was like, all right, I'll try it out. And I just kind of fell in love with it from there. It's like, especially as a way of cross training. And so I like learned more and more about the sport. And then basically once I stopped playing in college, um, I just thought it was like a natural transition to go to MMA. You know, I've always competed, always been an athlete and something I was enjoying doing just as like a workout. So I'm like, oh, you know, might as well just try it out and kind of keep that like, you know, thing going on. So that's kind of how I got into it. Yeah, that's awesome. So it's funny. There's there's a lot of MMA fighters actually that started off as football players. I feel like that's kind of become more and more common. Um, like I'm thinking of like Eric Anders, who I, I spoke with a couple months ago. He, he was a football player and then you've got, um, well, Greg Hardy, he's no longer in the UFC, but he was a football player and there's been several others. I can't think of their names at the moment. Yeah, You have like, you have like guys like Brendan Schaub, um, who played at a high, uh, played at a high level too. And then, so I think there was, uh, also on Brendan Schaub's season, there was like another guy who played football at a high level too and wind up coming yeah. home. But yeah, you have a lot of guys that um I think it's just a natural transition. Um because we had to play with our hands in most positions. Like cause most of the guys you see are linebackers, tight ends, um, stuff like that. Like guys that had to be explosive also know how to use their hands, understand positioning and stuff like that. And it just translates pretty well. Um I think uh oh, who's the guy who um fought at two oh five? I can't think of his name right now who fought John Jones, but he was a safety. Oh, at Stony Brook. Reyes. Um, yes, yes. So he was say that Stony Brook. So like, I just think it's a natural transition. You already have a natural explosion and know how to use your hips and stuff. And that's something that honestly helped me. People confuse me as a wrestler. I never wrestled a day in my life, at least until I got to MMA. But it's because you understand how, you know, your body positioning, how to take people down, how to tackle essentially, um, how to control people, how to use your hips and stuff like that. So I think this is a natural transition for us as athletes. Yeah, because that's what I was I was going to ask you, because you mentioned football. And I was like, I wonder how because it seems like there are a lot of aspects of football that would really help uh, with the transition to MMA and just the sheer competition aspect of it, too. Um, You're already an athlete. So that's kind of half the battle, Um, you know, (laughs) staying in shape and going to the gym, lifting weights. All that stuff is going to help you in MMA, too. Yeah, I think so. I I just I think. When it comes to football, at least, I don't think basketball players would translate too well. I don't, I don't think baseball or soccer players would translate too well. We're used to the physicality. That's number one. We're used to pushing ourselves in hard workouts. Like, outside of wrestling, I guess wrestling would be, like, the, the actual, you know, dream kind of scenario to come from. Um, yeah. But, yeah, we're used to tackling people. We're used to, the, like, the kind of grappling and stuff like that, the push-pull of the sport, um, understanding, like, little things. Like, fighting is so many little things. So, footwork, positioning, hand placement. Um, also just being cerebral and understanding like what may be going on, what they might be setting you up for. And then you just have the natural gifts of explosion, understanding how to work your body, moving multiple parts at once. And then you had the lifting aspect too, which in college, I'll tell you right now, in high school, I was probably 170 something pounds. In college, I was up to 200 pounds. And I'll, it may not seem like I was huge. I played linebacker myself, but I was much bigger than I was because of our lifting program and stuff like that and all the workouts we put in and, you know, changing my eating habits and stuff like that too. The hardest part, I will say for football players, is probably cutting weight. <laughs> That's probably the hardest <laughs> part is getting used to that and restricting yourself because most of the time it's put on weight, put on weight, put on weight. Um, NFL is a little bit different, but college-wise, just put on size, put on size because you're basically a 17, 18-year-old kid going into a, a new place where you're with a whole bunch of men that are – between 19 to like 
24, 25, depending on, you know, research and all that stuff like that. So. Yeah. Cause I guess that, that also would be a big advantage for coming from wrestling is just, you're already used to cutting weight and yeah. you have the athleticism and all that other stuff too. So mm. then, and it's also, you know, you can control where the fight goes if, if you've got good enough wrestling. Yeah, so sure. yeah, that's, but it's interesting that you bring that up. Cause it's like, yeah, when you're playing football, you want to be pretty much as big as you possibly can, <laughs> I would think, you know, yeah. while being, you know, healthy, but, um, yeah, I, that's interesting. I've never really thought about that. Um, so what's your, so you said, obviously you've had to change eating habits <laughs> with being an athlete. How did, uh, how did you change your nutrition when you started with MMA? Cause I imagine going from being 200 pounds, what weight class are you in by the way? So I find it 170. 170. So okay. Yep. Okay. So yeah, so you're, you're having to lose quite a bit of weight from there. So yeah. What, tell me about your nutrition. What are some things that you've kind of picked up along the way that have really helped you and how important is your nutrition with, uh, with, with fighting? So first off, the answer to your second question is very important. Um, yeah. Mostly because if you have a problem where like you're not losing as much weight as you think you should be losing or stuff like that, then you understand, okay, I added this to my, my typical routine or my typical diet. So maybe that's what's holding me back and stuff like that. Like there's ways that you control it. You kind of know where, what's going on. If something has changed small, you can say, okay, I'll cut that out because that's what I, I don't usually do that. And that's probably what's holding me back or making me hold on water. But um I just basically used the resources that I had in my college. So I was still in school when I started fighting, um, which I don't recommend for anybody. It's really hard to do that. <laughs> but, um, but uh, I, yeah, I just took a nutrition class because I had no idea how to honestly put on weight to, to begin with or, you know, lose weight or be shredded, all these th different things. So I took a nutrition class, actually learned the science behind it a little bit, um, asked a lot of questions. They make you do like food diaries and stuff like that. And so did that and then also started doing more research on my own, talking to more fighters, watching fighters' vlogs. I pretty much did whatever I could. So I'm a guy that if I'm going to dive into something, I really want to dive in, you know, head first and on everything. So I remember Jeremy, Jeremy Stevens used to have vlogs. I used to watch all his vlogs just to see like what he would do uh, during fight camps. I would watch all, you know, the UFC countdowns and all these different things to see what fighters were doing and then also reading the stuff understanding okay like this is what you know you should be doing to make sure you're hydrated you know um like your 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 meals like times so, like sometimes it is about what you eat but it's also like the timing of your meals too that also play a role into it um having nutrient dense uh meals also reading dolce uh, my dolce dolce diets book um and learning all about that stuff unless i could do you know try to eat more clean and more farm to table as close as possible that's kind of hard sometimes but trying to get yourself as clean as possible and as, you know, from form to table as possible. Um, yeah, just reading all that stuff and then kind of trial and error and kind of figure out what I liked. I spent a lot of money on things that I realized I wasn't going to ever use or I was just wasting. Um, and then getting it down to a concise thing where I pretty much can, I can pretty much do it without any problems. And then I have my days where I do enjoy myself, but I believe in an 80-20 lifestyle. So in general, I'm going to eat clean about 80% of the time, just 365, you know, um, and then 20% of the time enjoying myself. After fights a little different, we do turn up a little bit and enjoy ourselves food-wise. You have those little pregnant cravings is what we call them as fighters. Things that you don't <laughs> normally eat. You're like, oh, and Oreos, like you don't eat them at all. <laughs> you have yeah. like three, like you're like feeling sick to your stomach. But yeah, just educating myself through school, through other fighters, um, like watching a lot of content, reading books from 
you know, nutritionists, like I said, like like my, my Dolce. Um, I know that uh, there's other guys that do nutrition, but I'm just watching their vlogs and seeing what they did with their fighters. And then kind of getting that part down and then learning how to cut weight on top of it. Yeah, definitely. It's so important too, because I mean, really a bad weight cut can really mess up your fight. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> have you ever had a bad weight cut? I have. I have. Oh, man. I had to cut 20 pounds in a week. Um, so like I guess I typically fight at 170. I fought up at 185 um, just because maybe it was like a short notice fight or whatever. Sometimes you just work those things out. But I had sure. to get down to 165 because my coach at the time believed that I should be fighting at 155. I don't know. I like to enjoy myself a little bit. At that point, I'd be pretty much not eating anything, I feel like. But uh, yeah. So, yeah, I, I was kind of I didn't do things properly. That I'll just say like that. And I was kind of messing around too much. And then it was 185. I was 185. I had to get to 165 in a week. Did it. It really sucked. It really drained me. Yeah. Um, there was times where I did my my hot bath and got wrapped up and stuff like that. Did a whole like, hour and nothing happened. And I was like, I'm about to quit. But I've never missed weight. So I pushed through it. And I'll say this. You feel good initially when you go in there. But the, the yeah. first like real exchange, your first, whether it be a grapple exchange, your first like real like, you know, punching or striking exchange, then you feel like, oh. And it's not really like your cardio, it's your arms, it's your legs, you know, that, that don't recover as fast as they usually do. And then also your brain doesn't recover. It takes like technically takes like 72 hours for it to actually get all the fluid you need back. Yeah. But if you have a better weight cut, then you can kind of shorten it a little bit. It's kind of, you know, cheating a little bit. But yeah, like you just don't really feel 100%. You don't have your A game. You might not even have your B game, to be honest. And you might only really have a good three minutes, maybe around tops, depending on how hard you work that camp. But typically, right. if you're struggling to cut weight, you didn't work that hard in camp or you would have needed whatever you wanted to eat. It's very simple. So tough weight cuts really typically either you're cutting too much weight or you're not doing the right things to get yourself in the right launching points to cut weight. Right. Yeah. Man, that's always been like my biggest... Like if I were a fighter, that would be probably my biggest fear was like just the weight cutting. Like I'd be more afraid of that than the actual <laughs> fight. <laughs> no, and that's why if you ever see people's statuses, whether it be local or regional people that are fighting or even in the UFC, they'll say, oh, you know, the first fight's won. Not making weight. Yep. Because that is the hardest fight. And no matter how, you could do it a billion times. Even wrestlers do it a billion times. It's It gets simpler, but it doesn't get easier. So, yeah. like, my process over time has gotten a lot simpler. I, I can pretty much do it. I know which weight I like. So, the night before, I might want to be 176 to 178. And I'll just know that, okay, when I wake up, I'll be I'll be two pounds lighter than that. And so, I only have four or five pounds to lose. So, you know your launching points. Is like, okay, how do I get there? Some guys are insane, and they want to lose 12 pounds in that, that last day or whatever. And I, that's a lot, you know. But if they're kind of yeah. used to it, maybe it works for them. I've lost 15 pounds in, like, the day before plus the day of weigh-ins and I used to do it all the time. I feel a lot better the way I do it now. I feel a lot more refreshed and you're not having these huge gaps where you're 170, you're going up to 195, like the next day. Like that's probably not healthy if you're, <laughs> if you're doing all of that. You know what I mean? So it means you lost a yeah. lot of water. Oh yeah. And I've always thought about that because, you know, really you want to set yourself up for success as much as possible. Yeah. So it's like, you're already putting yourself at a disadvantage if you go in there and you've had a really rough cut and you're just drained. So it's 100%. like, you're not even giving yourself a complete chance to <laughs> win the fight because you're mm -hmm. already starting off, you know, you're uh, not feeling great and you're about to get in a fight. <laughs> <laughs> and you know that too. Like, that's the thing. Yeah. Like, 
I think you can argue that anytime you see a fight and a guy comes out guns are blazing, it could be that he's nervous, but he also might know. Like, I don't have much. Mm. Like, I have one round, maybe one and a half rounds. I got to get over or else I'm just going to get grinded out. And no one wants to get grinded out or be standing and know that you really can't keep your arms up. And the guy's just teeing off on you. That is the – I've seen it in the training room all the time. I've seen it in fights where you're like, okay, I'm here and I don't want to quit on myself, but I don't have anything else. So I'm just going to sit here and yeah. kind of just get beat up and hope that I can survive or, you know, maybe the ref will stop it for me because he feels bad. Like, you know, but <laughs> right. so, and then that's just the physical part. You're not even accounting for the mental part. Like you, because whenever you're tired or exhausted, you tend to like be, you know, not as sharp. So that even then that plays a huge role to it too. So there's so much that goes into weight cutting. And that's why one FC kind of restricts people with cutting too much weight and having the hydration test and stuff, which I heard it's you know really good for them, but also fighters that are used to cutting a lot of weight, it kind of affects them too. But you're really fighting at the same weight class as up one, really. So right, kind of depends on how you look at it. Yeah, I've always wondered like if they're ever going to change in the UFC like the rules on weight cutting or, or any of that because it seems like a lot of the issues that they've had like have been more with the weight cuts um, than like I don't know. I guess it. It just seems like there are some cases where it just goes like way to the extreme, like mm-hmm. with um, I, I remember like Cyborg and Habib. Cyborg was bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, I wonder just how much longer are they going to keep allowing stuff like that to happen? I mean, I guess it's going to take somebody is going to have to have like some drastic health issue before they and really the, change it. That's the biggest problem. Like, we shouldn't have to have that to um to kind of fix the problem. But I, I don't know if, honestly, American MMA or martial arts will ever kind of fix this problem, unfortunately, just because yeah. it's just it's just kind of like, not tradition, but it's like what we do. We, we yeah. do cut weight. We come from a heavy wrestling background where people yep. cut weight and people are spitting in bottles all day in high school and stuff. So we kind of come from that. So I don't think it's going to change necessarily. But what we can do is to kind of, you know, keep educating people. The thing with Cyborg was cutting too much weight. And females are different than males when it comes to cutting weight. Oh, yeah. You guys can't cut as much. And you guys have a lot more things going on in your body than we do as men. We can cut a lot more weight. And we don't yep. have to have as high body fat as you guys do. So she, I've watched plenty of her vlogs. And he has a great nutritional team. It's just that she was cutting way too much weight. And she's also already shredded. It's, it's just, you know, so she yeah. was kind of killing herself to cut weight. And then going out and fighting her butt off. Hey, I'll give that to her. But... I remember seeing her crying in the tub. Oh my gosh, I, was I know. Like, I'm like, I don't know how you're doing this. Like, I've been this way because like, I don't want to do this, but she was like, she was basically dying in there. So, yeah. And I mean, I know Connor used to cut to 45 and he was like Skeletor. So, oh yeah. You know, <laughs> so, so it's like, some people are willing to do that. I think it, there should be a happy medium. Like if you're a little bit undersized for a weight class, but you feel great, I think you should try to lean towards that than being, oh, I'm the biggest guy in the room, but I have one round, maybe max of like maximum output. Other than that, I'm pretty much done. Yeah. Well, and it seems like too, that a lot of the fighters that really cut a lot of weight like that, if they're like really muscular, it just seems like it drains them a lot more than maybe somebody who's lean but they're not like Mm -hmm. super bulky you know they're not like jacked like (laughs) you know um it seems like sometimes being muscular but not too muscular seems to be like the best build for mma like for weight cutting at least just because yeah like you said like some of those people like 
I'm trying to think. There was another fighter that cuts like a ridiculous amount of weight. I might be thinking of Pajeda, um, when he was cutting to middleweight. Yeah. Um, yeah. And he he just had. I think he's just got crazy genetics, and it's just, <laughs> like he he's just like. <laughs> A freak of nature um yeah, like francis sure. and like a lot of those other guys it's like they're literally just a freak of nature mm-hmm. um but yeah it just seems like for some of them not all of them but for some of them it does affect their cardio um like costa is an example like he cut yeah. he looks like he cuts a ton of weight That's um, what I've heard. super That's what super I've heard. muscular um, now I've, I've seen him go five rounds and it was no problem, but I imagine later in his career, that'll probably be pretty tough cut to make. Um, yeah. as you get older, it gets harder to cut the weight in general. Um, just cause things don't work as well as they used to. Um, yeah. but yeah, being super muscular doesn't really help. I've gone against guys that are crazy, like, you know, brick houses, they're just jacked <laughs> and eventually their muscles are run out of energy because you're, you just need yeah. oxygen to those muscles. So like eventually your arms get tired. And they feel like they're, they weigh 80 pounds each or whatever. And then, you know, you're dragging yourself. You're better off being lean and not, like I said, not kind of more of a slim or slender build, um, yeah. but still strong. Like, so we always just say, you know, muscles for show, not muscles for go. So like, you know, you know, so like if you have these show muscles, that doesn't mean anything. You know, you can right. see these little dork, dork, like Chase Cooper, like a little dorky kind of kid, right? But <laughs> yeah. he'll strangle you, you know? So, yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and he's strong grappling-wise. So if he grabs you, he feels like, I'll give you a story. I, I you don't want to go on too much of a tan- tangent, but I was at Jackson Wings, um, and I was going against this quite, I, I, thought, I thought he was, I knew he was some kind of, I'm not trying to, I'm trying to get canceled, but I knew he was some kind of Asian. I thought he was Mongolian. Sure. And he was tiny. He fights at 125. And I'm like, okay, as he's 170, I'm not going to go crazy with my strength. I'm going to try to match his strength because I know I'm you know, bigger than him. He right. grabbed my wrist, and pound for pound, he had the strongest grip I've ever felt in my life. And I was like, I'm in trouble. Like, my eyes got so big. Yeah. I'm like, I'm getting whooped. <laughs> he grabbed me, and I was like, I'm not going anywhere. So because he wasn't huge and muscular, you know, I, maybe I underestimated him, but it, that didn't really give me a true – I guess, I guess, like representation of his strength. When he grabbed me, I was like, "Oh no, this guy can really grapple." You guys grappling strength, so you want that kind of cornbread country boy kind of you know grappling strength, but you don't necessarily have to look like it to be right. you know a really strong you know in shape fighter. I guess you could say. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. There are a lot of fighters that like you look at them and you wouldn't even think that they're a fighter, mm-hmm. but they're, <laughs> no. it, it's crazy. Yeah. And it, well, and then you got like Derek Lewis who just like, you know, <laughs> doesn't look like he really lifts weights that much, no. uh, <laughs> but, but then you see him fight and you're like, what the hell? Like, it's crazy. Yeah. It, it's crazy Derek, how athletic they are. Derek Lewis is, is awesome. Um, oh, I so would funny. suggest many people do what he does. I think he's just a different kind of person, but <laughs> The fact that he goes out there and does his thing, I, I I can respect that, you know, for sure. Oh yeah, I think he said he was like starting to diet though lately, like his last couple he, fights. He says, I don't know. I know that he was cutting weight to get to two sixty five, <laughs> and I was like, bro, like, <laughs> like that's such like a huge human, you know. And he's able to do jumping kicks and all that stuff like that. I was like, this is insane for a guy who like doesn't really. <laughs> Like he doesn't really do cardio, he doesn't really diet. Like this guy can go five rounds and fight his butt and still win in the late rounds. I'm like, this is a really I know. <laughs> I know, like when he fought Blades, I think yeah. that was like the fourth or fifth round. I can't remember which round it was, but it was later in the fight 
-hmm. And Blades just like whooped him the whole fight. And then all of a sudden he just flatlines him. And they always say power is the last thing to go. So, you know, you can be tired, but you have legit one shot power. You know, you're always in the fight. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. That's why like even um, there's been a few fights lately that have been like really, really one sided. But then it always Mm -hmm. makes me think about like those last minute knockouts like when we were watching um Emmett versus uh Topuria and then Mm -hmm. before that I think was Vittori versus Cannoneer and it's like you're watching it and you're still so excited because you're like well what if you know he gets too comfortable gets caught thinks he's winning the fight you know that happens all the time it's crazy yeah you saw that with the um the first I guess MMA fight between uh, Izzy and uh, Pajeda, I think that's his yeah. name. Um, mm-hmm. Because I Izzy was controlling that fight, but at the same time, there were times where he was getting walked to the cage. I'm like, if he allows him to walk him to the cage, he can't move anymore, and he will get caught, and eventually got caught in that fight. And I was like, yeah, I kind of saw that coming, and he would have won the fight on the card. So yeah. he, that, it's just being sharp the whole time um, and not having any mental lapses and stuff like that. So even when you're up big, just always being sharp. That's why sometimes people get mad at these guys for not finishing fights, but they're thinking, I have to win this fight. I have to yeah. win this fight. I have to win this fight. And being a fighter, I understand that. Like, sometimes oh, yeah. it's like, yeah, I can get the finish, but I don't want to give him any shot of beating me, you know, because if I lose this fight, especially in the UFC, it could be lose and I'm, I'm done. I'm out of the UFC. So, yeah. you know, I, I get it, but yeah, it's just – you always got to stay sharp because you don't know, you know, what's coming at you. You know, if they're still in it, if they are still in it, one shot could just change the whole trajectory of the fight. And the next thing you know, you're on, you're waking up like what happened, you know, and that's the <laughs> right. worst thing, especially when you're up. That's the worst thing, especially when you're up, you know, multiple rounds. Oh yeah. Cause then it's like, Oh, all my hard work just went, went down the drain. And now I'm laying yep, here. And, I, <laughs> and as a coach or a cornerman, you, it, you it's, you're, you're just gutted for your, your fighter. Cause like dang like we had it like you know all we had to do was just like steal three more minutes we were one you know so it's tough oh I can imagine yeah well and I guess this is this is another question for you so do do you want to know like when you're in a fight what your score for that round was do you think that's something you would want to know or do you think it's better to not know that's a tough one because I know that some states have open scoring and stuff like that. So yeah. I think I think every fighter would kind of like to know at least where they stand, especially in the last round. You know, like, all right, I got to really turn it on and try to win this fight. And I, my first MMA fight, pro MMA fight, I lost split decision. And so it would have been nice, I guess, in that situation to know in the third round because I thought it was 1-1. One, uh... one. Um, you know, one guy had one judge had me winning. The other two had him winning. I thought I dominated the fight, but it would have been nice to know. So, okay, I got turn on or whatever, or yeah, stuff like that. But at the same time, I do think you kind of do know if you are being realistic and your corner is being realistic with you. Yeah, you know. So at the same time, you kind of like, all right, like maybe, but you never know what they're looking at. You never know what they're judging. Um, they have criteria, but like some judges lean some other ways and some judges lean the other way. If you notice, I don't know how big you are into boxing, but a lot of judges come are either former boxing reps or boxing commissions too. So maybe they take more into the striking realm I've and stuff like that. I've noticed that, yeah. So it's it, it's tough. And it would be, I think, especially in the UFC, I think it would be nice because there's so much controversy with um with scoring and stuff like that. So at least you would know, okay, like I'm down two rounds. Uh, whether I agree with it or not, I'm down two rounds. I know that. I got to pick it up. 
Because there's so many fights that you think you're up 3-1 or whatever. All I got to do is just coast and I'm good. And then you lose. So I think it would be good in general um, for everybody to kind of just have an idea. Um, But my other point to that would be just like, I feel like as long as you're coaching staff and you are being honest with yourself, you kind of know if you want to walk that round. Unless they're extremely close. Like there are rounds where they're like, all right, like they were pretty much even. Then that's a little bit different. But I think either way it'd be fine. But it would help a lot of bad decisions because then you would know, okay, this judge has me winning, this judge has me losing. You would just kind of know. And it would also maybe have some um, accountability to the judges because they can just do whatever they want and not get in trouble for it and not get called out for it. And sometimes they make some decisions that are like, what were you watching? <laughs> so, <laughs> Yeah, especially this year, it seems like there's been a ton of like controversial decisions. And I know that's probably never going to change. Like, I don't think the judging is ever going to be perfect. I think that no. is probably an unrealistic expectation. But I do think having a little bit more transparency and maybe also just letting the fighters know like what the judges are using as their criteria and what because I feel like sometimes maybe fighters don't know what the judges are looking for so maybe they think that they're doing what the judges want them to do and then they end up losing the round or losing the fight because the judge was like oh well this is what I was looking for um yeah exactly probably more education would be helpful I think for sure. I, I mean, you know what the referee expects from you. He comes out and explicitly tells you. Now, it's yep. different organization. It, it differs, like, but for smaller regional shows, you have one ref. So he's going to come and tell everybody, like, hey, this is what I'm expecting from you. If you do X, this is what's going to happen. If you're on the ground, you want to stay there, this, this, and that. So you have an idea, right? Typically, it's effective strike, striking, effective grappling, you know, like damage, you know, I think I can control, all that stuff like that, right? And it's supposed to be in a pecking order. Right. Um but then again, you just don't know what people's biases are. You don't know if they lean more to they like probably I don't like getting hit. So I'm not gonna get hit. And I had a I had someone watch one of my fights and say, Well, look, you're kinda of running away. Even though I'm not, I'm just evading getting hit and hitting the guy, not getting touched. I should be dominated to striking then because I'm not getting touched. I'm hitting you, whether I'm knocking you out or not, it doesn't really matter. Your nose is broken, your eyes is messed up. I'm doing damage and I'm not getting hit. Right. You know, striking isn't just about offense, it's also about defense as well, right? Mm-hmm. I, you know, the wrestling, I got I got a couple of takedowns. He got a lot more takedowns than I did, but I got up every single time. So what is actually effective grappling? Is it him taking me down only or is it him taking me down but then me also getting up? Because I have to grapple my way back up. Right. So there's so many different things. Like I think to me personally, oh, I'm grappling to either defend the takedowns, but I'm also standing back up and getting free. So is that not effective gra- grappling too? Am I not doing damage when I'm striking and, and moving? Did he do any damage to me? There's so many different things. So, yeah, you re- really are unclear. And you might have your opinions, and the judge might have a whole different opinion, and then, then there's three of them. I've heard even going to, like, five or seven when they do in glory kickboxing. So then it's, like, not just three people that are, uh, you know, gr- uh, judging your fight. It's five. So you might have more, yeah. I guess, leeway and more opinions that may sway it your way. Um and it's kind of asinine to be like, don't leave it to the judges because people are tough. <laughs> so and, and they yep. want to win just as bad as you want to win. And you can't smoke with the kitchen sink and they're still not quitting on themselves. So it's tough to say that because no one really wants to be there for 15, 25 minutes. I'm going to tell you right no. now, you can interview a million <laughs> fighters. They do not want to be in there for 15, 25 minutes. We, can get, we get paid no matter what. The same, basically the same amount no matter what happens. So if I can win in one second, I will take that over 15, oh, yeah. 15 minutes any day of the week. So yeah, I've always thought that was such a like just a weird thing that people say like don't leave it to the judges. It's like, well, first of all, 
all the best fights that have ever happened have went to the judges. Exactly. Like, Forrest Griffin versus Stefan Bonner, one of the greatest fights yeah. of all time. Oh, guess what? It went to the judges. Like Exactly. And so I, I think that's so dumb. Like, I, I think if you're an MMA fan, like a true MMA fan, like that is just like, such a ridiculous thing to say. <laughs> but also because, yeah, like you said, like some people are just so tough. And it doesn't matter how many times you hit them. Like Marvin Vittori, mm-hmm. for example. Yeah. I mean, Jared Cannonier was throwing bombs. I think he threw <laughs> over 200 significant strikes in that fight. Yeah, it was insane. Yeah, crazy amount of strikes. Yeah. And so, like that. Like, there's no way he was going to knock Vittori out. He could have thrown a spinning wheel kick or some crazy thing. And it still probably wouldn't have would, knocked him would. out. Hit him outside the head. He'd be like, all right, come on. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Well, and two, like, there's some weight classes where you don't see as many knockouts just because they're so small. Like, they don't have that kind of power um, to just put you away. I mean, you see them sometimes, but, like, especially, like, women's straw weight, like, not a ton of knockouts. And usually when they are, it's like a head kick or it's really, really early in the fight when they're, like, fresh. So, um, yeah, I've always thought that was, (laughs) like, a silly thing. That comes from people that either don't know really much about the sport and you're just fans of violence um, yeah. or people that have never trained or fought before. Because, like, even even like in the UFC, so you'll see way more knockouts in regional circuits or in really small shows because the talent is so, like, there's such a huge talent gap. Yeah. As you get up, you know, more and more, you know, higher and higher in the talent range, like, people are typically closer. So then you, it, it's like two good teams in any sport. It's going to be way more competitive. It's going to be way more, you know, tight you know, lower scoring and stuff like that. Everything's going to matter. So all the little things matter. So it's just harder because people make less mistakes at that, at that higher level. Now, there's still people that make a lot of mistakes in the UFC and Bellator and PFL and all those organizations, but the elite of the elite, it's just, it's very few openings. So, and then those guys are also, they're, you know, went through the fire. So they're tough as nails. They're, they're used to getting, you know, having tough fights and getting hit with a hard touch and being able to move on. Some of these guys that are big on these regional shows, haven't gone through anything, haven't gone through any, any adversity, haven't fought any tough guys, and then get clipped with a hard shot and then realize, oh, I'm not really the fighter I thought I was. So yeah. people have to understand, like, the higher you go, the the less likely people are going to get knocked out or finish in general unless they make a huge mistake. Like, one example to my, you know, off the top of my head would be Chris Wyman versus Luke Rockhold when Chris Wyman was winning, when he was the t- you know, title holder. He made one silly mistake, spinning back this or whatever, and then got dominated by a guy. But that fight would have been well, well closer if they didn't do it, you know, that dumb spinning back this, you know. So right. it just goes to that, you know. So people had to understand that we're trying to knock him out. We're trying to choke him out. We're trying to try yeah. to because we do not want to fight for 15 minutes. We can get in there and not get hurt and be able to fight again in, you know, a month, two months, whatever. That's our goal. We don't get paid unless we fight. So right. we're trying to knock him out. <laughs> we're trying to get performance of the night. We're trying to do all those things. But you got to balance that risk with also I can get knocked out. I can get finished. I could be suspended for 90 mm-hmm. days. I could, and fans ain't going to be there when you get knocked out. <laughs> they're there no. when you they're there when you do the knocking out, but not necessarily when you, when you get knocked out or lose. You know, then they tell you you're washed or you have a glass chin and all that stuff like mm-hmm. that too. So we're trying to finish the fight, but it's not always going to be there. It's not, and if you force things, it usually doesn't happen if something bad happens to you in general. Yeah, well, and then, too, sometimes you run the risk of losing the fight on the scorecards by trying to finish. Like, you see it all the time, people Mm -hmm. trying to finish guillotines, and then they gas themselves out, and then 
they just get dominated the rest of the fight. <laughs> then they get taken out of his lane now like this. Like, yeah. oh, I can't. Like, they're like, move. Like, his arms are dead. He really can't do anything right Yeah. Now. Exactly. Yeah, that's funny. I Yeah, I, I think it's actually, like you said, I mean, when you get people that are closer in competition, um, you're not going to have as many one-sided you know, knockouts, you're not going to, which is a good thing because that would be bad. Like it would just be bad matchmaking if it was just knockouts all the time. Yeah. I mean, I think people think it would be nice to watch because it it is exciting, right? It is very exciting for me. It's not as exciting because I understand what happens when people get knocked out. So I'm like, Oh, I kind of cringe. I'm like, Oh, now if it's a teammate of mine or a friend, yay. Right. Oh, that's brutal. But if every fight ended in a minute or 30 seconds, it would just, the show would be over really quickly. It would, I don't, it would just lose because no one wants to watch one side of fights. It's just not entertaining yeah. at all. It really isn't. To see a back and forth battle, those are far more entertaining uh, for fans, even casual fans, because you get to see people going back and forth and competing. No one wants to, in any sport, no one wants to, a blowout. Unless you're a huge fan of that team, but even still, it's like, okay, I'm like, I lost interest in this game because the game's not closed. There's no real tension or no back and forth. So, it is good to, for the fans to have tension and stuff like that. Like I said, I'll take a one-sided beatdown all the time. I'll do it. You know, <laughs> if I can get a one-sided beatdown, that's awesome. But at the same time, entertainment-wise, it is better to have people that are closer in, in skill so that it is back where it is competitive. You have two guys battling, and the little things start to matter, matter a lot more. And that actually elevates the sport. Oh, yeah. Well, and I've, I've been thinking about this because I, I know a bunch of people that used to watch MMA and they don't watch it anymore um and they still talk about like the old you know the old fights and all that stuff and there's all kinds of people they'll watch like one pay-per-view a year you know like they're very casual fan now but they used to be like really really into it um and sometimes I wonder like I'm wondering if and because MMA has become so much more technical I wonder if maybe that's why we've like kind of lost that fan base. And then now we kind of have a new wave of fans coming in where it's like younger people um, that seem to be like really well versed in the sport. Like it seems like a lot of the younger people I know, like the Gen Z's um, when I talk to them about MMA, like they actually really know a lot of the technical stuff about it. And um, but I'm just wondering like if that is kind of like the new wave of fans and then if like the, the old fans are like still, you know, watching all the old like Matt Hughes fights and watching the pride fights and all that kind of stuff. I'm just wondering if, yeah, just it becoming more technical is maybe why they've kind of like fallen off. Cause you know, maybe they just watch it and they don't quite understand some of the exchanges or they don't understand. Cause it's sometimes when it gets to such a high level, people don't understand exactly all that goes yeah. into it. Um, I don't know. I don't know what your thoughts are on that, but I've just so, that's something I've observed. <laughs> I think we still have a long way to go when it comes to educating our fan base. And yeah. I'm glad you brought this up. Cause I always think about this and I work with, or well, I have worked with coach Barry Robinson who's very big on um, how other sports and how other sports casters and media in general talk about sports. So if you ever watch a football game, baseball game, basketball game, a lot of times you hear them talking about footwork. You hear them talking about just like really small things, where their eyes are, you know, where the, how they position for certain things and, and you know, the communication and all that stuff like that. And just the drilling aspect. 
and drilling things in. And um, I do think that there there is a contingent of people that really do love the little things and the small things of MMA. But in general, I still think we live in a world where it's just for entertainment purposes only. So people just want to see the you know the big knockouts, the big you know the big slams and all that stuff like that, but don't understand the technical side. And so really, as fighters, you know, I won't I won't call myself a coach, even though I have coached, you know, but coaches you know, media personalities, bloggers, any of the podcasters, anything, we should always try to educate people on the little things because we want a smarter and more educated fan base so that we can enjoy the little things and, and the things that matter in the sport. Like, yes, everybody's big and strong. Everybody hits hard. I'm going to tell you right now, everybody hits hard, you know. And, <laughs> you know everybody has, you know, if you get to a certain level, you have solid wrestling, you have solid jiu-jitsu and stuff like that. But now let's talk about why they are successful in certain things. It's beautiful to understand why a knockout happened in round one, even though it happened in round three. It's, it's awesome to see these little things. It's awesome to see, like, one of the greatest things I noticed with Izzy when he fought Paulo Costa is his, his honestly, the way he came out, he was so focused in, in, his, in his stance and how he was locked in from the, from the minute the bell rang, he already had a very physical, very firm stance to let him know that you're not going to bully me. That may seem like it goes over a lot of people's heads, but that is a very important thing. Now, Paulo Costa knows that he can't just bum rush this guy. And every time he came in, he was met with either space or or some kind of missile. I, I, I'll break this down real quickly. I believe you, every fighter has a bubble, right? And then once you enter that bubble, that's how you know they're in your they're in your firing range. So either you back up to stay at, at that, you know, out, out of firing range, or you meet them with something, right? Because anybody who who understands fighting, they're going to walk through you if you don't give them anything to respect. So either you create space because you're not ready to work exactly, or you meet them with something, right? So right when you come into you know if you come into the United States you, you're not supposed to be here you're getting shot at something there's gonna be a warning shot you know and, and that's kind of how you look at it but understanding how he escapes properly understanding how he disengages how he faints and maybe maybe create time and space to think a lot of people don't think you think in fighting you definitely think in fighting you know certain things are a reaction and stuff like that and, and muscle memory and stuff but you also have to think to to kind of see what region you're getting how they're moving how they're reacting to certain things if they like or if they check kicks, or, or you know, if you hit him with a cafe, oh, he didn't like that. Okay, let me set it up again. How he's if he's biting on certain things. There's all these different reasons you have to see, but you have to give yourself time to see those things. So understanding how defense works, where people's eyes are, how they're positioning, how they set up strikes. Those that is the beauty of the sport. Most people think the sport is barbaric. Most people think you know they aren't really into the sport. Like, oh, we just beat people up. The beauty, the beautiful part of it, and that's thing, this is why you love the sport so much, is there's so many little things that go into it that build this fighter. So, and everybody has a little a little sauce to it. Everybody has a little sauce to it. Everybody knows the basics, but everybody has a little sauce and flavor to it. And that's what makes it beautiful. So I think that there are fans that are starting to understand that. And more people are training this more because it's not as taboo as it used to be, right? You have kids that are honestly long, you know, lifelong martial artists that are actually, but the 17 year old kid, the Mexican kid, you know, he's been a, a long-term martial artist his whole life. So he, he's trained so much. So he understands the sport a lot more. His family understands the sport a lot more. So now you have people that are understanding. Now we just need to educate them the right way. So that when we are talking about the sport, they understand it. it's not just punching, kick, kick, punch. It's not that, it's not that grab somebody and throw on the ground. It's, it's, I'm grabbing someone, I'm bringing them down this way. I'm, I'm, I'm controlling this arm so he can't post. Like all those things are so awesome about the sport. And that's what makes the sport great to me, at least. And then when you, you see the next generation picking up these little things, that's what makes our sport last long. That's what makes our sport, you know, have that longevity and to transcend just the fighting community. It, it goes to, well, like what, what Ronda did, what Ronda did, what Connor did. When you get in people that don't even know anything about fighting, becoming fans because of this person. 
You know, hopefully we can do that with all a lot of fighters. You know, we have guys that transcend because they're just such great technicians. Yeah, definitely. Well, and I think that's um you're right. That's a lot of why I really love MMA. And I think that's why because there's a lot of people that like and whatever gets people to watch MMA, whatever gets people into the sport, I'm like, whatever. I'm all for yeah. it. <laughs> but there are some people where it's like they only watch the main event and like or they only mm-hmm. watch like the last three fights in the card or whatever. And I when I watch fights, unless I have something going on, like I will watch from the early prelims all the way till the end because there's something in every single fight uh i mean don't get me wrong there's definitely been like some boring fights uh where it kind of just looks like not not even like a sparring match it looks like like (laughs) what is going on here but uh so you'll get those once in a while but for the most part like if you really do understand the technicality of the sport you can appreciate every single fight that you're watching for the most part. And I think that a lot of um, fans would appreciate the fighters more and would appreciate the sport more in general, if they would just kind of take a little bit of time to educate themselves on, you know, what all goes into it and how, like you said, like sometimes it's not just a lucky one punch knockout. Like there's things that they're doing to lead into that, that people kind of miss. Um, and also, I think it would make fighters appreciate more or fans appreciate fighters more whenever they lose, because then it's not like, oh, they lost. They suck. It's like, oh, but look at what they did in rounds one and two before mm. they got knocked out. Like, yeah. oh, they just didn't manage their energy very well. But look at all this other stuff that they did. That was really good. Yeah. So I think it would help that more because I that's one thing that kind of bugs me about um, the MMA community in general is just. Yeah, there's a lot of, um, I don't know, fans, it's like they only like you when you're winning. <laughs> and and I kind of mentioned that earlier, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, and it's like that, but it's not even, it's it's people that have been winning for years and then they lose yeah. one fight and then all of a sudden they're, they're washed or they, you know, they suck. And it's like, yeah. what the heck, you know? And so I think, I think that is really just fans that, A, don't really know anything about the sport um as far as like technical stuff goes Mm. um and also just not knowing what it's like to cut weight to go through the whole process to train for as long as you do to train as hard as you do um it's hard to to win a fight and it's hard to even get in the cage to begin with Mm -hmm. and i think that we need to have a little bit more respect uh for fighters as fans i really do i just don't think people realize that um, and even in boxing, it's kind of becoming this way, too, because um, typically boxing, it would be like, OK, I'm just chilling until I have a fight. Then I have three, four months to get ready for a fight. But now boxers are becoming more like we don't have an offseason. We just train, you know, most of the time, you know, throughout the year. But MMA guys, we train pretty much almost every day or like, you know, six days a week you know, 12 months a year for the most part. Now, the intensity increases when you have a fight on the books, but you're supposed to, especially if you're a pro fighter on the way up, you're supposed to be ready at a drop of a dime. You can have a fight next week, but okay, short doors, but I'm ready, you know? Yeah. So um, people don't realize just that alone, you're risking getting injured or having little small bumps and bruises and scrapes that can affect your training in general. And I know so many fighters, especially if they don't have health insurance, <laughs> oh, <laughs> that, I that, know. Hon- yeah. that honestly go like, will be 
you know, maybe they have a broken hand or maybe they have something going on and they'll still fight because they need the money and they can yep. get it taken care of by the promoter because they have health insurance for the, the, the fight itself. So like, there's so many things that they go on that go on behind the scenes that people don't know about. And that's just in the actual MMA world. Mind you, people have girlfriends, people have wives, people have kids, people have families, you know, and we deal with the same stuff yeah. on top of having a very, very stressful job. So um, there's a lot that goes into it. And they try to say, hey, maintain and control your life outside the ring because the ring is chaos, you know, and, yeah. and so you can't really control a lot of things in there, but what, but what you do. So try to have your life as, you know, as stress-free and kind of control it as possible so that you're not stressing yourself out and then going and training and then going and fighting because all that stuff drains you. So oh, yeah. yeah, there's a lot of fighters that are a lot of fans that don't understand fully what we go through. Um, and not sitting here on a soapbox trying to cry. Cause like, Hey, you know, we, <laughs> everybody deals with their own stress and our own problems and stuff like that. And everybody has a job that they still go to and have to work. It's just that we get punched in the face and there's bad things that can happen to us. So, so we have yeah. to make sure that, um, that we take care of those things and that we're on top of our lives and keeping things under control, but fans could have a lot more appreciation. And I think having so many different social media platforms and, and there's not every fighters like this. And I don't want to make it seem like every fighter has to do this, but the fighters that do put a lot of stuff out there on social media, you can start kind of see the, the behind the scenes, like embedded yeah. helps. Embedded helps showing, oh, yeah. you know, these people's families and, and their kids and the stresses they go through and the UFC countdown stuff and stuff like that. But also having your own, you know, having podcasts, having Twitch streams, all those things can kind of give you a, a little bit of a behind the curtains view of what a fighter life really is. And then I think people would understand like, hey, really, that's why I, I, I get so upset or I, I cringe or when people are getting beat up. I'm like, stop the fight because I understand that they have to go home. Yep. And the only person is going to take care of them is their wife or their kids. Their kids have to see them. I have teammates that they have daughters, they, you know, and they, and they have a black guy and they're, you know, they got shades on the hide and like, they're like, daddy, what happened? You know, and it, it sucks to see that. So I, I under, I feel it a little bit differently. And so, yeah. so it's tough when you see people, oh, this guy's watch, oh, this guy sucks, or they, or they get slandered in their comments. And it's like, hey, bro, like, you don't know what he goes through. You don't know that he lost, you know, a significant, you know, person in his life, or you don't understand any of those things. And so to sit there and just, you know, play armchair quarterback and, and say, oh, he could do this, this, and that. Like, you don't know what you're talking about. And you also don't know where his mind was. And it's just, right. it's tough to make, it's tough to make that walk in general. But oh when gosh, you have other stuff going on and and maybe you didn't have the best weight cut, it's just so many things that go into it. Maybe you're, you you broke your hand and you already knew you broke your hand. You know, maybe you had a leg injury, you know, like there's so many things that go into it. And so I think you are, you know, 100% right on that, that like there should be more of appreciation um for mma guys i think we just i think we're superheroes and i guess in some aspects we are but, but we are not we're not made out of steel so you know we definitely break and bruise and all that stuff like that oh yeah a little bit more i guess empathy i guess in some aspects um would be appreciated for sure i think so too and that's kind of like what i've been wanting to do with just everything that i'm doing is you know yeah, do I want to have fighters on to like announce their fights and to talk about, you know, what they're doing? Um, yeah, but I, I don't really want to have like, you know, it just be like a whole trash talk where I'm trying to get them to trash talk, you know, <laughs> like that's not what I want to do at all. Yeah. And like, so what I want to do is like, I want to get to know fighters for like who they are. And I want to help educate people on what goes into it because yeah, I think it's really, really important and just kind of humanize fighters a little bit more, um, I think would be great because, you know, 
it's it's not the same as like you're watching your favorite football team or you're watching your favorite basketball team like it's not quite the same um because no. you know how people talk trash about all those athletes too oh well i i, I definitely <laughs> do but i mean in the sense like, whenever i say oh that guy's a bum i mean it's okay like nfl talent <laughs> yeah. he's like the worst that's because i'm coming from i've never said oh he's actually trash to beat him like i know i'm not better than him right but some people will be on the couch not even doing anything and be like oh, yeah. oh he sucks i'm like all right bro like <laughs> right but i so. think with fighting it's different because it's not a game you know <laughs> like, no, it all. is not, not a game all. it is not to be played with so it's like when you're talking trash about an athlete like okay that's still kind of silly still kind of goofy but it's mm -hmm. not like you know it's whatever they get paid millions of dollars so it's like whatever yeah. uh they have their literally dream job um mm -hmm. but when people do it with fighters it just makes me cringe so much because i'm like Oh my God. Like it's kind of crazy that people talk trash because honestly, <laughs> if you're if you're just fighting, you're probably broke or or poorer than most people talking about you. Yeah. To be honest. Like, like you're not yeah. making much money until you even in the UFC, it's typically 10 and 10 when you on your first contract. So you have to right. just to show up, you get 10 grand. But then to win, you get you get 10. So really half your money is is dependent on you winning. And then that, they don't take taxes out. So right. you might just get a $20,000 check, but you got to think, okay, maybe I had to save 30% for taxes later on down the line. Yeah. You know what I mean? Shout out to, uh, to my man, Mike. Uh, what's that, what's that dude's name with the tax lawyers? Oh, I can't think of his name right now. Uh, Mike Perry. Mike Perry. He forgot oh, he yeah. had to pay taxes and he owed back taxes. You know what I mean? So, cause he was an educator on the situation. I actually taught myself that I, I talked to other fighters, but, and, you know, like, I people, know a lot of you, fighters that, you know, they've had that issue too. Yeah, yeah and I, you just have you have to have side hustles. You have to have an actual day job. Um, I know that uh, Pantoja he was driving Uber and stuff like that. Yeah. I've always had I've always had a day job. Um, I know Brandon Roy Bell. I actually know him personally. Um, I've trained on Factory X. I know he was working. I know some guys that you know they would have a little weekend gig at a restaurant. You know, people doing the uh, bird scooter things, picking them things up and charging them. Like fighters always have different hustles. They teach, maybe they do personals. Maybe they they are coach on the side and stuff. Most of yeah. you guys have day jobs. So you're talking about guys who are honest workers. I, I'm sorry, guys and girls, honest workers working their tails off on top of training two, three times a day. Strict, you know, pretty strict diet, you know, trying to get their recovery in, all that stuff like that. And that's if they're just single. That's yeah. counting if they have a girlfriend or a husband or wife, whatever, kids, you know, if their family's big in their life. It's 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 a lot. And I've been I've been yeah. blessed enough to uh not have so many distractions but um i don't mean that in a bad way but just having a lot more things going on um but it's just rough and no one knows really the day in life besides the fighters that's why i always it's tough to see i don't really care to see people get knocked out because i understand that they just lost half of their money you know and then if they got knocked out bad they're suspended for 90 days so they can't fight right. if they work a day job they might not even be able to work the next week or it's just so many things that go into it you know, mm -hmm. it's just, it, I just feel, I feel for them. I, I understand that they, they've sacrificed so much and some people lose relationships because they're, because they're fighters, because they got to move oh, and they yeah. got to train and, you know, and they don't get the, like for me personally, I'll speak for myself personally, right? I'm originally from Delaware. Um, mm -hmm. We're just in the East coast. I got family pretty much in the tri-state area in the DMV. Um, Delaware, or DC, Maryland, Virginia, Delaware, PA, Jersey kind of area. I've missed countless birthdays. I missed countless births. I missed countless, you know, graduations. I missed countless gatherings, you know, family, you know, reunion. I missed so many different things. 
all because I'm training or I have a fight or whatever. I barely go home. I've been going home a little bit more recently because I have a niece now and I'm trying to be in her life and everything. Um, but you just miss so much. Can't go home for a holiday because you might fight around the corner. Um, it, it's it's a lot, you know what I mean? And there's so many fighters that are displaced, that move. There's Jackson Wings, they have dorms. You know, they have dorms at other places too. So like people are, even from different countries are missing countless amount of times. And again, they, they, they could just be single. I really feel bad for the people that have kids, young kids. Oh my they gosh, don't I know. And that's just, and then the coaches too, they sacrifice time for their family. So I, I just, I get it and I understand it. What you're doing is amazing, I think. Um, but it's just, it's tough. It's it's a tough grind. And sometimes you wake up like, why am I doing this? Why am I getting yeah. up? You know, like for me personally, getting up, maybe I have to get up at four in the morning because I work at six, but I got to get a run in. Because I'm not going to feel like running after 10-hour shift. You know what I mean? But that, and I also yeah. get like my, my striking or whatever it is. And it's, it's just so much that goes into it. They think that we all just don't work jobs and we get to work out for them. I wish it was that easy. <laughs> I, yeah, I really I do wish it was that easy. Yeah, I mean, so, most most fighters, until they get to at least like Bellator, UFC, if they're getting like a legit contracts, mm-hmm. they're still working a full-time job most of the time. I think I don't think people realize that. Like, even a lot of UFC fighters have full-time jobs. Yeah, and depending on your situation, um, you could be living in a very, very, very humble <laughs> apartment or very yeah. you know what I mean like or like have like three roommates or something like that like you'll see sometimes on Ultimate Fighter some of these guys will be like oh yeah I have a roommate we share a studio and it's like Yikes. but they understand hey our goal is this and what this won't be you know the end all be all this is only temporary you know what I mean and you make sacrifices like me personally I slept in a closet in the gym but like hey yeah. I don't really you know I gotta figure it out you know this but I'm training to try to figure it out and I make money and I save money this way and I help clean and I help coach and all these things like that. And that helps me kind of live because I don't, you know, fighters realize we don't need much. We just need, well, you know, but basically what kind of helps us train and keep us going. Other than that, I got to put some, uh, you know, sleep my, you know, put my head down every night and I got to place a shower and wash my clothes. I'm good. You know, and that's kind of, now it's different now. I have a girlfriend and, you know, she wants to do certain things a different way now. So, <laughs> you know, I can't do it in a, a, a closet now, but yeah. at the same time, um, I know I have to work even harder to make sure that, you know, I'm taking care of business here, you know, financially for, for us, but also at the same time, still have, you know, my schedule open to be able to train and work out and prepare for fights and stuff like that too. So, um, and again, that's the stress that a lot of these fighters have. They have wives, they have girlfriends, they have children. And so they have to work a 40 hour job with benefits to make sure that their family's taken care of, but then also, you know, put in, probably 40 hours again just training you know you know whatever it is that you know that week or whatever so it's it's a tough balance it's a tough balance oh yeah I could definitely imagine yeah I just think that's another thing that a lot of people should realize too is just not only what goes into it with the training with cutting weight but also just scheduling all of that around um their life because Mm -hmm. for most people this this doesn't start out as a full-time thing it, for probably 90% of fighters when they first, first start. Um, it's just something that they do on the side. So because they're thinking like, okay, I'm going to make sacrifices right now to chase this dream. And then if it works out, I mean, I could end up UFC champion, you know, you never know. Yeah. So yeah. it's like, you got to take that, that risk and make those sacrifices to hopefully have that, you know, your, your dreams come true. So 
um yeah I think that's something really important and I just yeah I wish people would realize that too is that there's so much that goes into it and but I guess that um that discipline and everything that you kind of pick up from fighting probably translates really well to other areas of your life and just makes yeah. you an overall more disciplined, uh, hardworking person. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I, I think it's weird because it's like kind of a chicken and the egg kind of thing. Like, did you have discipline yeah. and stuff like that beforehand? And then it just translated well into MMA or vice versa. I would say I had some discipline, I guess, because like I made it to the D1 level in football. Like, so I had to have work ethic. I had to have discipline and stuff like that. I did think that MMA, specifically jujitsu, kind of reined all that in. So I think I was kind of a little bit, I I had issues with, you know, my temper and stuff like that. And not necessarily I would freak out on people. I just had different, you know, difficulty dealing with my anger and stuff like that for multiple sure. reasons or whatever. And, you know, having the father figures that I had at the Shore Academy in Jersey, and having, you know, everybody pretty much be way older than me in there. Some guys fought in the, when, back when it was like in the primitive days, you know what I mean? And having yeah. all these very experienced, you know, 40 plus year olds, a whole bunch of guys that are on the police force that, you know, maybe I didn't have the best relationship with the police, but, you know, them shouting a different light to me. Just being able to just mentor me and kind of just like big brother me or kind of, you know, be like uncles or whatever to me, you know, be able to just kind of just like, hey, if one door closes, another one will. And that's kind of like the, the mindset of jujitsu, but then in life you take that and like, oh, like, you know what, you're right. I don't always have to be bullheaded and run through this door no matter what. Even though it's, you know, behind this door is a brick wall, I can go the other way. You know, and jujitsu kind of works that way. Like if someone's defending something really hard, something else is open. So having those guys help me out and kind of like tunnel this energy into a certain path. Now okay, like now I'm more at peace. Now I'm more relaxed. Now I don't feel like I have to be this and this. And I'm working hard and smarter towards a goal instead of being, you know, I'm working really hard, but I'm running my head into a wall, you know, every single day. Like that's, that's kind of dumb. You're just, you're kind of feeding the purpose of working hard and get all your hard work is up for nothing basically. Right. So um, I do think that hardworking people typically go to the hardest things in life, right. They typically <laughs> want to be challenged, but I think sometimes we are so hardworking that we need somebody to kind of guide us the right way, kind of push like, Hey, like you're working hard, but like maybe you're working too hard in the wrong direction. Maybe, you, you know, you're meat resistant. You're, you're trying to run through this every single day. Like not everything is meant to be ran through. Sometimes you got to finesse a little bit and work smarter and stuff like that, but being diligent, being uh, relentless, like all those things are awesome traits, right? And most fighters are relentless, hardworking, you know, stubborn to some degree, you know, uh, selfish, and not in a bad way, but selfish in a way of like, <laughs> I want the best training. I want the best. I'm going to get the best thing I can possibly get for myself to be better. Um, and that aspect, and also sometimes not spending time with friends and family because I have to be the best fighter I can possibly be for this day. Um, yeah, and that just makes you that much more dedicated, that much more locked in, that much more disciplined because you see the rewards, and the rewards always aren't always winning fights rewards aren't always you know being champ the rewards are small things like oh i finally got this technique i've been practicing for weeks or whatever or i finally am not getting tapped out by every black belt or every brown belt in here oh i finally didn't get beat up as much in sparring you know i finally can go the whole three mile run without stopping at all or i'm right in the path with everybody or you know, whatever it is, you know what I mean? Um, I finally get through a whole class without, like, you know, I like, have to sit down or whatever. It's like little, little gains like that, 
you know, um, that matter to us fighters more than anything. The end all be all, yeah, it's the win fights, but it's a little, it's a little victory you get over there because no one sees those. Yeah. No one sees the work that you put in to get there. They didn't see the end all. That's why when people say, oh, you suck, it's like, okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, oh, you're, you're washed. Okay. But it's the little thing. So, it, you know, it's the fighting your mind. Cowboy said it the best. I don't know if I'm allowed to cuss on here, but it's like, it's an inner, you know, female dog inside you that's telling you, <laughs> hey, like, what are you doing? Why are we doing this? Like, you could just quit. You could just go home and lay down. You could stay in the bed. You're fighting that every single day, not just walking to the cage. You're fighting that every single day. Like, I could just be a regular person. Like, I could be yeah. teaching high school. I graduated, you know, with a, uh, um, a secondary education degree in, in history. So I can teach high school. I don't have to get punched in the face. I don't have to cut weight. I don't have to run miles. I don't have to be on the pads. I don't have to hit the bag. I don't have to spar. I don't have to do any of those things. I don't. So what makes me get up in the morning? You know, and it just, and sometimes we just can't, it's not good enough to just be, oh, I want to get up and train. It has to be okay. Well, my girlfriend's depending on me. My, I told my mom that I'm gonna take care of her. It's gotta be, it's gotta be other things. My, my, I have two little brothers. I have a uh, sister. I'm the oldest, so I have you know a sister and two younger brothers. They're looking up to me. Yeah. They don't want to want to be fighters, necessarily, but they, they're looking up to me. My youngest brother's going to play college baseball. I had to show him what it takes to be a, a professional athlete or, or at least an athlete at a high level. You can't quit on yourself. You have to get up when you don't want to work. You know, unless you're like actually hurting or sore, but you know, like to the point <laughs> yeah. you can't move. But it's like, oh, I'm a little sore, but I can still I can still get something done today. It's, it's those things that matter. And so those little victories every day, I guess, kind of build your confidence. So when you hear these guys talk, like, I'm the baddest dude in the room. I'm going to beat this guy. He can't touch me. It's not because they're arrogant. It's not. They might be a little bit cocky, but it's because yeah. they've earned that They've earned that right to be that confident because they put the work, the hours that we don't see. Um, but, you know, countless hours. That's why Volkanovski is such a savage. Oh he don't gosh, really talk I much. He just, he, just, he just shows, like, I'm the baddest dude because I put the work in. And you see it every time he goes out there, he fights these guys. And I mean, the last Holloway fight, I remember that one, like it was, like it was yesterday. It's just like, they were close, close. And in the last one, it's like, oh, yeah. Holloway's a step behind. Now. Like he's not, like, Volker <laughs> just keep getting better and better and better. So, And then you see everybody against Holloway and you're like, oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, so he's like, you, yeah, you get a measuring set, like, oh no, Holloway's yeah. still that dude. And Volkanovski yeah. is really, really good. So, yeah. and I, I guarantee you, it, that's that's not what he was happy about. It was every little thing that he accomplished on the way there to yeah. make him that great athlete coming from a 300 pound rugby player, where how big he was to a guy who's absolutely shredded a guy who's at the top of his game who no one can mess with right now at 45. That didn't happen overnight. It was a countless hours where he didn't know if he was good enough. It was a countless hours where he got his butt whooped in the gym. It was a countless hours where maybe he didn't fight cutting weight or maybe he went to have a slice of pizza that day. It was, yeah. it was so many times that he wanted to quit on himself, probably. I, I don't know the man, but, you know, I'm sure he was like, why am I doing this? Like, or, damn, I'm sore. Oh, I got to go get this guy in sparring today. He's going to be there to kick my butt. Like, <laughs> it's just all those <laughs> things. They go, you, know, like, you know what? Whatever. I'm going. I'm going to be there. And once you get there, then it's, then it's going in with the right attitude, the right mindset, and, and purpose, and intent, and you will always get better. And I think you can take that yeah. in any aspect of life, but especially in fighting. Oh yeah, definitely. Do you think, okay, here's another question. Do you think it's better to be humble or do you think it's better to be a trash talker in MMA? I, I, that's a great question. I think it's better to be yourself. Hey, that's, that's a good kind answer. Of a cop, that's a kind of a cop out answer, but I'm going to explain why. Um, if you talk, talk trash and that's naturally who you are, <laughs> I think it's awesome. It works for Floyd. It works for, for Connor when actually Connor was training and actually 
dedicated to his craft. No yeah. offense, but I, I think he kind of, I think it's kind of more of a clown now. Yeah. Um, he was amazing when he first came up. Um, but then you have these guys that are just talking trash just to like make themselves more, even Chell, even though Chell was kind of a, kind of a troll, Chell, like that was his personality though. Like, like yeah. yes, like I'm going to talk trash. Cause I'm, <laughs> yeah, cause I'm trying to get people to come see me fight so I can make more money. Whereas like yes. Colby changed his whole personality to become that so that he could become right. more entertaining. It's like, that's not really you. And it comes, you can tell. So when it's authentic yep. and you're talking trash and you're keeping it MMA, you're keeping it fighting. I don't do the whole talk about people's families. Or not. Yeah. I don't do that. That's why I agree with KB. You want to talk about my friends and my family, my religion, then I'm going to really have to hurt you. Like, yep. you know, most people, most fighters don't want to hurt each other. Like, seriously, you start saying something about their family, you might have some <laughs> other problems. But if you're humble or I wouldn't even say humble. If you're just like a good person that's just like, hey, I'm going to go out here and do my job. And that's how I am. You don't really talk that much or talk trash. I think that's totally fine too. If that's who you are. Right. Now, some people would say that some people are fake for the cameras and stuff like that. Listen, I, I, I know DC said it. DC said it one time about John Jones. And I know for a fact that I've met John Jones and I've like sat around him and talked with him and his team and stuff like that. He's not really a humble person by definition. How people would say now, is he yeah. a God-fearing man and all that stuff like that? For sure. But that mm-hmm. guy is a savage. That yeah. guy that guy is an absolute savage and want, and he thinks he's the baddest man on the planet and there's nothing wrong with that. But because he wanted to portray a certain image of himself, but every once in a while, sometimes that, that, that savagery, that kind of, I'm the man, that kind of, you know, that very arrogant cocky, it would seep out sometimes. That's yeah. truly who he is. So that's, a good, that's another, kind of a really good example of that. Like he wants to be humble and respectful and stuff like that. And I get it. You don't want to come off as kind of like a prick or nothing like that or some arrogant punk or whatever. <laughs> but it's like you truly believe you're the man and there's nothing wrong with that if you put in the work. I've seen him train. That guy works his tail off. And he gets the yeah. best guys in the world to train with him. Um, I was there during the second uh, um, Gustafson fight. And he brought some Russian boxer in who was elite that was, you know, whooping his tail in boxing the first, you know, few weeks. Then he started, he started to kind of get, you know, get better at box. That's why he was able to dominate Gustafson standing. And then when he chose to take him to the ground, he just took him to the ground and destroyed him. Um, but he gets the best guys in there. So he puts the work in. So he has no yep. reason to be like, oh, um, I guess I'll have a chance. No, be cocky. Be arrogant. Let him know. I'll put the work yeah. in. I'm the baddest dude on the planet. Because at the end of the day, you're the one who's got to cast that check. So if that's who you believe you are, you're the best, tell him. But now yeah. you better go out there and prove it. Prove <laughs> it. But at the same time, now, for me personally, I don't really believe in talking trash because, mm-hmm. well, at least publicly, okay, I'll, I'll yeah, at least publicly because I'm kind of with you on that because I feel like I'd probably jinx myself if I like, I'd be afraid if I like talk a bunch of trash and then it gets to the fight and then I'm like, oh man, all these people <laughs> think I'm gonna win, I better win, <laughs> psych myself no, that's, out. That's definitely one part, right? But I come from a team sports background and we don't yeah. we believe in bullet, bullets and poor materials. So people, so any little edge we can get, like, oh, the newspapers at this school or in this area was saying that we suck, we take that. And now it's a chip on our shoulder. So for me personally, I don't do that. I don't want to give you any extra motivation or to train harder or be like, okay, I'm a little sore today. I'm a little tired, but he said, I'm a punk. So I got to get up and work. You know what I mean? So like, and I'm a little crazy. Every fighter is to an extent. So I'll be like, oh, you signed the fight. That's automatically disrespect. You don't think you can? You don't think I can win? You think you can just easily walk through me? Even though that's not true at all, right. <laughs> you know, like it might not be true at all. I said, okay, I think it's disrespect. You know, oh, he thinks he's working harder than me. he thinks he's better. Than me. Okay, I got, I got to run. I make little things up to push myself. So I don't want to give anyone free material yeah. 
to put in their head and but okay, I'm gonna train even harder now because I don't like this guy or you know, he's talking all this mess. That's just me personally. The whole jinxing thing, like yeah, that's definitely a thing too. But now behind closed doors in the training room, I'm the baddest <laughs> in that for a round. He don't have he don't got nothing for me. I'm a whoop it like yeah, to my right. team, to my coaches. But mm-hmm. out publicly, that's why I can never be on no embedded or no countdowns. I'm talking trash, talking trash behind the scenes. And they'll hear about, oh, he is fucking trash. Like, dang it, they got me. So <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Well, I, I think, gonna... I think it is um Oh no, go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. I think it is fun though to have that friendly banter with your teammates. Me and Darian Weeks, who fought in the UFC, I love the guy to death. We talk a lot of trash to each other. So <laughs> if it ever happened to a in a fight or in a press conference about like that, I'm already used to it. Definitely yeah. have those guys that, that 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 tell you about yourself because you don't want to hear it for the first time in a press conference yeah. or in a fight. I, I agree with that. Yeah, you got to kind of get some thick skin. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Because you're going to hear a lot of things from fans and fighters. Oh, yeah. Which, yeah, it's crazy. But no, that's a good point. Um, I'm going to switch gears a little bit. I'm going to do, okay. before we get off here, I'm going to do a little rapid fire. I'm going to switch it and oh, just kind of ask you about some music. <laughs> I'm going to ask you about music. Okay. So, um, So I'm going to ask you, you know, you don't have to put too much thought into it. I'll give you a little bit okay. of time. Um, but I'm just going to ask you some questions. So, and this is all music related, by the way. So if I pass you the aux cable, what's the first song that you're going to put on? First song? Oh my God. Uh, <laughs> wow. That's a tough one. I would probably say some Michael Jackson song. If it's the okay. first song and it's something that I just know I'm going to like and hopefully most people like to Michael Jackson for sure. Some Michael Jackson song, probably want to be starting something or <laughs> something like that. Nice. Huge yeah, fan. I'm a big fan of his as well. Yeah, he he was so multi talented, like great singer, yeah, sure. great dancer, just great performer. Yeah, oh, incredible. Um, Biggie or Tupac? Biggie, probably mostly because I'm an East Coast guy, <laughs> <laughs> but Biggie for sure. Love Same. Tupac, but Biggie for sure. Yeah, I'm a big fan of both, but I just I prefer East Coast hip hop a little bit more than mm-hmm. West Coast hip hop. Just the style of it. And the yeah. beats, like that's just kind of my preference. So I'm always, I've always been a bigger Biggie fan, but I'm like, dude, I'm still a huge Tupac fan yeah, too. Yeah. Like, I'm not like no disrespect you to Tupac. Me both, but yeah, I would for sure say Biggie. Yeah. All right. <laughs> and then, do you prefer '80s music or '90s music? Do you think is better? Man, I'm a '90s baby. But, yeah, uh, same. That's a that's a tough one. Um. So I have an old soul. So I would probably say 80s, but it's like really close. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's really close. That's tough. Uh, I would probably say 80s though. I'm, a, I'm more of an old soul. So I like older music in general. I'm the same way. Yeah. Um, Beatles or Rolling Stones? Oh, gosh. All right. This is going to be tough because I didn't <laughs> even know who the Beatles were until like college. I know people are looking at me like I'm yeah. crazy. Um I saw that movie yesterday, I think it's called, where like the world mm-hmm. forgot the Beatles or whatever. And so I know more Beatles songs now than Rolling Stones. So I'd probably say Beatles, but that's, <laughs> that's, that's <laughs> because I know more Beatles songs. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, top 40 or classics? What are you going with? You classics. rocking with the new stuff or the old stuff? All right. Yeah, you classics. said you're an old soul, so I figured that would um, be your answer. <laughs> I just think music is, is not as well made nowadays. And a lot of people are the same. Uh, classics all day yeah 
there's more originality i think in 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 the classics yeah it's hard to be original these days because there's just Mm -hmm. so much has already been done so it's like yeah yeah, what can you do to possibly be different (laughs) i mean yeah it's gonna get to a point where they're gonna have to like start changing copyright laws i think because for sure it's just going to be hard not to recycle old stuff and yeah. people and are actually going to want it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. funny. Um, do you have like a, a guilty pleasure artist song uh, that, you know, you, you, you rock with it all day, but if some, if one of your buddies oh found God. out, you'd probably be like, <laughs> Oh my gosh. Honestly, I don't know if it's just one song. I don't even necessarily, I, I would call them guilty pleasures. So I would make sure I make it as quick as possible. I train to a lot slower music. So a lot more really? like slow jams, um, a lot more like love songs, a lot more like R&B style music and like upbeat. Like I love the divas from the, the 70s and 80s, like, you know, Donna Summer and all stuff like that. So I listen to a lot of stuff in general. So I yeah. get clowned a lot on those kind of things. Or like like my coach with his lab because he knows who I am. But I'll be warming up for a fight and listening to, you know, having Donna Summer or Mary J. Blige play <laughs> or, you know, like all these different people. And like, like, you're looking at me like I'm crazy, but it puts me in a good mood. So I would just say typically my training or warm up fight list, like, is probably a whole bunch of guilty pleasures in one. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I just, like, <laughs> I just, I just love, you know, music that makes me feel good. That's just, you know, it kind of slows yeah. me down, it kind of calms me down. Because um, you're already going to be super intense anyway. So, yeah, a lot of love songs. Um, I'm trying to think. I don't know. Like, I remember I had Mariah Carey fantasy plan, you know. And, <laughs> and so, like, that could be a guilty pleasure. Even though I love this song, I don't care what anyone says. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, so, Do you yeah, listen just, to music, like, but when you're getting ready for, like, the day before a fight or the day of the fight? Like, do you listen to music to kind of help you, like, relax? Um. So, if we're talking the day of the fight, uh, I will go... I'll tell you the whole day quickly. Um, <laughs> I go, I, it typically has to be Crackle Barrel breakfast. So I love okay. Crackle Barrel. I, I'll go there. If not, it has to be pancakes. I, I'm going to eat pancakes. Um, and then nice. I pretty much just chill out for until we have to report to the venue. Then I go to the venue. Once I get to the venue, then it's slow jams on. Literally nice. all like love songs. Like Frank Ocean might be playing. Like I said, Mary J. Blige. Uh, I'm trying to think. Um, I don't know any, anybody that has had some kind of love song or songs that kind of just like feel good music stuff like that, and then the, typically the intensity builds up through the day. So as we're sitting there, you know, if we after the fighter meeting and stuff like that, it might be a little bit more up tempo, like you know, fun songs I could dance to a little bit and get get loose with and stuff. But I'm doing my my typical warm up and drills and stuff like that. And then there's a playlist that I have that might be a little bit more rap on there and stuff like that but typically i just want things that kind of keep me calm that kind of because i'm already turned up i'm already ready to go so i kind of just need to keep myself calm and loose but i train to this music so i'm still violent even though i'm listening to songs that aren't necessarily like in your face rah rah pump up you know gangster rap you know hard rock and stuff <laughs> like that you know i listen to things that more get me into a certain mindset a certain mode certain things that will motivate me you know what i mean that will that will make me feel good, but also get me in a mindset, you know. Um, and there's times where I've cried in the warm-up room because, you know, I'm playing a song and maybe something emotional was going on in that time. But that's all right. I want those emotions to come out now. I don't want to be yeah. in there freaking out when I'm walking, you know. So, yeah, I typically do listen to music uh, as we get to the venue the day of um, throughout the whole, until I basically make the walk. 
And then my walkout song is Mr. Sandman by the Quarterettes. So um, <laughs> nice. that's not the most hype song. It, you know, it, it sounds kind of silly, but it's, it was kind of a joke that was made in college that I should walk out to that song. And that that's became funny. my fight name. And that's when I, I did. So like, yeah, my walkout song is not even hard. So, <laughs> you know what I mean? So <laughs> how I look like listening to hard music and then coming out to that. So That's hilarious. Oh, yeah, because your nickname is Sandman, right? Mr. Sandman, yep. So Mr. Sandman. I got that. I got that from a, a, a UFC game. Yeah, I got it from a UFC game. <laughs> um, That's and then funny. My, my friend said it would be funny. My two of my teammates uh, said it'd be funny if I walked out to this song. I never heard the song before. He played it for me. I'm like, oh, whatever, whatever. And then when I moved out here, I started having fights out here um, under Rob Hewlett um, and it was White League. I had him. I asked the guy if he had it. He had it. And I walked out to it, and a lot of people laughed at me and were smiling and stuff like that. And then I beat the guy up in about a minute and like eight seconds, and they weren't laughing anymore. So I was like, okay, yeah. well, this, this, this sticks. So it's kind of like my brand and stuff like that. And, you know, but again, I, I just believe that you don't necessarily need to listen to certain one certain thing or have some hard stuff. Like, that's about me. I listen to a lot of, you know, R&B, you know, upbeat, up-tempo stuff, things that make me like want to move and kind of, you know, get me going and things like also calm me down put me in a happy place i don't need to be mad i don't hate any opponent that i've ever fought but don't need any of that stuff what's a song that you listen to that like when you hear it immediately like hypes you up Ooh. Um, hey i don't know i, gotta get I have a lot here. of them i feel you um, yeah I, I feel like i do have a lot but it also depends on what i'm going through too yeah um like i'm trying to think Oh man, this is a tough one. Man, no, no, man, I don't know. It was like some, like, I think, like "Rest in Peace," uh, "Screw," like by Travis Scott. I love that song just because of this, because of the energy. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, I just feel that. I don't know why. I just that's kind of weird. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna <laughs> think of songs though, because uh, there's a countless songs in my playlist that I have that like put me in a certain energy and stuff like that. Um, I gotta have my playlist named and everything like that. And I have the Dream Bringer playlist. That's like another moniker that I use. Like I'm gonna bring people dreams. Um and so I have that playlist. There's a lot of songs that I really do love on there. Um that kind of put me in a mode. Um I don't know. I on the top of my head it's hard to think about it, but uh man. I mean, like I said, wanna be starting something is definitely a, a, one of my favorite Michael Jackson songs. It just oh, yeah. like, you know, there's also a song, um, I forget who I think it's I forget what it was by, but it's called Nowhere to Run. It's a very old song. And to me, that gets me in a mindset of like, yeah, like now we're finally here. You can't miss weight. You can't say that you're not, you know, whatever. Now we're, and it's one of those things like, you can't run nowhere now. Now you have to face me. And I know that sounds, <laughs> sounds crazy, but it's just like, <laughs> it's true because, especially in the regional scene, people miss weight all the time. People don't show up. People, yep. oh, you yeah. know, get cold feet. And so it's like, oh, you signed a contract, you're here. There's nowhere to run now. Now the commission knows you're here. The referee knows you're here. Um, and now we get to fight. You know, that, yeah. you know, all that fake toughing in the way in, all that ice grilling me across the cage. None of that stuff matters now. Now we get to fight. You know, we get to see who's really who's really bad, you know? Shoot. So even, I guess, Michael Jackson's bad, you know? And, oh, yeah. Cool J, I'm bad. You know, like all these songs, like, there's a lot of songs that, that, that like turn on. I'm just like, oh, I'm the man. I'm the, <laughs> I'm the man. Yeah. I'm going to go and do my thing. So, um, but the song that really gets me going, and I, and I mean, it makes sense, is my walkout song. 
The minute I hear, you know, the, the girls start singing, you know, like, dun, 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 dun. the minute I hear that hit, it's a whole different energy. It's a whole different person. And now I'm ready for battle. Now I feel like, I feel like Mike Tyson, we talked about how he was scared of all the, you know, this guy for a whole camp. I feel like Donald, when, when he's talking about, we share the same name, Donald and Donald, but uh, Cowboy, when he's talking about how, you know, you hit that wall, you hit the, the curtains, you walk out, you're like, oh, this is why I do it. You know, now, yeah. you know, I am invincible. I'm the, I am this guy. I'm a bad dude. They came to, they came to see me. I don't care if I'm in the first fight or the last fight. They came to see me. It's my show. I'm about to set, I'm about to set the tone. And I hear the, and I, and I hear the girls. I, I hear my coaches. I hear everybody screaming and stuff like that. And I feel my teammates behind me and stuff. And and you just feel everybody who who cares for you, who loves you, who, who's been part of your training camp. You feel the ones that that you know your grandparents and you people that have passed and you know into other lives. You, you feel them with you. You're like you just feel so empowered. And then you know you, you revert back to your training. Like I've been here a thousand times in sparring. Right. I've been here a thousand times in the gym. This is nothing more than a sparring match. I get to be absolutely 100% violent in, and I get to take my frustrations out, take the the, the 6 a.m. wake-ups or 4 a.m. wake-ups. I get to take the when I was getting, you know, killed by my coach running sprints. So I, I, every frustration that I had, every hardship that I had, everything that I went through to get to this point, I get to execute those things on your face or on your person and hopefully come up victorious, you know? Um, also, keeping a cool mindset the whole time and, and having a good time doing it. Definitely. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on here again. Like it's been oh, great talking you to you so and just getting to know more about like what goes behind the scenes of like being a fighter and just the life of a fighter. I think it's so fascinating. and just something that, you know, a lot of people need to know, but um, so where can, uh, where can people follow you? Where can people keep up to date on, on your fights and all that kind of stuff? Um, so most of that stuff is always on Instagram. So, um, Mr. Sandman MMA 302, um, is my Instagram handle. That's basically where you can find everything. I don't do the whole Twitter thing or nothing like that. I also <laughs> do have, um, a YouTube channel where I do post oh, my nice. fights. Um, and that would be Team Brooks MMA on YouTube. You can see, I think all the fights that, yeah, I think all the fights that I've had, um, at least I don't in the Missouri area, which if I moved out to Missouri, we'll all be on there. Um, so you guys can see that as well um, if you want to subscribe um, I have also left like fight tips and kind of fight like tactics on there as well so um, the YouTube page and my Instagram are the best ways to uh, support me and uh, to kind of see what everything is going on and uh, yeah that's pretty much it thank you again for having me on here I really do appreciate it um, it's always awesome about the MMA um, especially with a person like you who was trying to shed light to the, the sport and um kind of give us fighters whether we're small time or big time a platform to kind of talk about you know what we got going on and you know our struggles in everyday life and also just shed light on the sport so it's honestly a pleasure and an honor to be um, on here with you i know you're doing a lot of big things i saw you went viral with your little uh, <laughs> uh your, your little thing and that's awesome so you know, i just appreciate the support and love um that you came and, and gave me and gave me this opportunity i really do appreciate that and hopefully we're looking to fight Hopefully in September. Hopefully. Okay. Crossed. That's my birthday um, month. So let's go. Yeah so, <laughs> yeah. so hopefully we can get a fight in September. If not, I do want to fight very soon. It's been, it's been too long. And I'm ready to get back in there and hopefully bring you guys a dream. That, that, that's always the goal. So There we go. Awesome. Well, yeah. Thank you so much. This has been a great conversation. I'm super excited to see see your next fight and see kind of where you go with things. So, um, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you have a great rest of your day and have a great week. And I'll talk to you Thank soon. You Thank you. Much love. Appreciate you.